You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Here is a sample of the great shows airing this week. I'm Dr. Larry Caskell. Please join me on the next Lipid Luminations. My guest is Dr. Peter Jones from the Methodist DeBakey Heart Center in Houston. We'll be talking about the statin intolerant patient and what to do with them. This is Dr. Leslie Lunt. Join me this week on the Clinician's Roundtable, where my guest will be Dr. Chris Bojrab. We will be discussing when sleepiness is not normal. And I'm Bruce Japson. Join me this week, and I'll be speaking with Dr. Ronald Davis, the president of the American Medical Association, on the AMA's legislative agenda. Throughout February, ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals, presents a special series, Exploring Heart Health. For our complete weekly guest and program guide, and to send us your comments, visit us at ReachMD.com. You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Innovations in Medicine, enhancing the medical community's knowledge of science and biotechnology. Could being tall, dark, and handsome, or blonde and statuesque, possibly be good for your health? New research says maybe so. Welcome to Innovations in Medicine. I'm your host, Paul Rayburn. It's been said that tall men get better jobs, they have more self-confidence, make more money than their shorter counterparts, even more likely to become president or get into Harvard or Yale or be popular. We're not going to take on all those claims in this program, but we are going to talk about a new study that says that tall men and women do have an important health advantage. They have a lower risk of osteoarthritis. Researchers have discovered that the genes for short stature and for osteoarthritis are linked. To explain this to us, we have the author of the study, which is in the current issue of Nature Genetics. He's Dr. Gonzalo Abacasis from the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor, and he will tell us about an international study he was involved in that looked at the genomes of a staggering 35,000 people across Europe and the U.S. Dr. Abacasis is a biostatistician, and his research focuses on the development of tools to study genetic variations and human diseases, especially in big populations like this. Welcome to Innovations in Medicine, Dr. Abacasis. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. So let's cut right to the chase here. Short stature linked to osteoarthritis. Tell us a little bit about how you asked that question and what exactly you found. Okay. So we were studying the genetics of height. So height is is a very interesting trait to study genetically, both because it's uh, complex, it's influenced by quite a few different genes, and because it's very clear that there's a large genetic contribution to height. So our typical estimate is that 80 to 90 percent of the variation in height is due to genes. So we assembled uh, this large collection of people where we were treating height as a model system, basically trying out methods that we would use to find genes in other conditions. Now, did you choose these people because of something related to their height, or was it a random sample? It's pretty much a random sample. So as a set of individuals that was convenient and available to us, and I guess that's why height is easy to study because it's, it's easy to measure it in large numbers of people and get to the sample sizes to try and search for genes that might have individually a small effect. Okay, so you had your gang of 35,000. Uh, where did you go from there? So we did it in two stages. So we selected a subset of these people that we studied in very much detail, and this was a subset of about 6,500 individuals where we tried to examine about 2.5 million different genetic variants. Related to height or other things as well? We took all the genetic variants across the genome that that we knew were common and could measure and tested each one of them 
for, for their impact on height. Okay, so this is one of the, in the, in the category of these genome-wide assays that we've talked to other people about, is that right? Exactly. That's, what, that's exactly what it is. Everybody who's interested in something is now doing a genome-wide assay for their particular disease or their particular trait or something. They're pretty effective because, you know, usually the way we did this genetic studies was to pick a single gene that we thought was a good candidate, and it turns out that we're not very good at guessing what's the right gene for which trait. And so by doing a, the genome approach where you, we look at all the genes in one go, the yield has been much better. And we've actually learned, at least for complex traits, we've learned quite a bit just in the past year or so. Was much known about which genes were related to height, or was that one of the things you were trying to find out? That's what we were trying to find out. So height is an interesting one. So we know about several genes that will, on their own, make you extremely tall or extremely short. But what regulates the variation in height in the majority of people who are not either giants or dwarfs, if you will, and kind of, then very little is known. In fact, before we mapped this one gene in this study, only one other gene had been identified for accounting for, for what goes on with variation in height in most people. And this gene is called GDF5, is that right? That's right. What does that stand for? It's a growth differentiation factor, and it's growth differentiation factor 5. And what it does is it stimulates the development of cartilage in the bone. And so different variants of the gene appear to be associated with more or less dense cartilage. Was the density of the cartilage in turn related to height? What we found was that the, the variant of the gene that gave you the denser cartilage also appears to give you slightly longer bones. It was associated with taller individuals whereas the variant of the gene that would result in less dense cartilage would be associated with a slight decrease in your height. Now, how does all of this get us back to arthritis, which is what we're aiming for? The interesting piece of the puzzle here was that this same gene that we found had the biggest impact in heights when we finished our study had just last year been shown to, to be a big contributor to osteoarthritis. In fact, it's among common variants. It's probably the biggest contributor today to osteoarthritis. So we just found this coincidence of findings between the two studies. Is there anything biologically or physiologically that makes sense of that, or is that yet to be explained? Physiologically, I think it actually makes a fair bit of sense. So, so you can imagine that if your cartilage is a little bit less dense and more fragile, that could predispose you to osteoarthritis. And at the same time, having that cartilage that's less dense and less developed makes you a little bit shorter. It fits pretty well with previous data. So previous studies had shown that individuals who were at the extremes of the height spectrum, who were either very tall or very short, actually have increased risk of osteoarthritis. And so that's consistent with that. And, and actually, it says that it's not great to be too tall or to be too short in this case. There, there's actually some sort of golden middle where you probably have the least risk of disease. If you're very tall, you have a bit more stress on your joints. And if you're quite short, again, you don't have the stress that results from being tall, but your joints are not quite in the proportion that evolution designed them for. So perhaps then you're also at increased risk of arthritis because of that. For those of you who have just joined us, you're listening to Reach MD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Paul Rayburn. We're talking to Dr. Gonzalo Abacasis of the University of Michigan about interesting genetic links between short stature and osteoarthritis. Now, did you find that height, either long or short stature, was linked to any other conditions? Were there any other such coincidences? This was the only coincidence, and, you know, and it was quite unexpected. 
affected. What are the medical or clinical implications either now or somewhere down the road of this finding? One of the implications, I think, from our end is that, you know, so height is, is a model trait that's easy to study in very large numbers of people. So, for example, we now have ongoing studies where we're studying height in, in up to 70 or 80,000 people and trying to identify the genes responsible. So when we get that much more complete catalog of the genes that influence height, we think that those will be really good candidates for genes that also impact um, osteoarthritis risk. So one of the things that we plan to do when we've got that more complete list is to check its impact on patients with osteoarthritis. So it's, it's now becoming a study more focused on osteoarthritis, but using height as the sort of easiest measure to look at a large group of people and look for the genetics. Right. You know, you start with this two and a half million genetic variants, you, you screen them against height, and then once you win down that list, you can follow up by seeing how they relate to osteoarthritis. The nice thing about that is once you identify specific genes influencing osteoarthritis, then you can do all the interesting things one would like to do with genetics, which is both to eventually make predictions about the risk of disease for each person, but also by knowing the biological underpinnings of the trait quite well to, to try and use that information to, to help design you know, better treatments and better drugs. Now, you're a biostatistician, so your job in part is to take a lot of data from a lot of bits of genetic data and to try to make sense out of them. I don't want to get too much into the details of exactly how that's done, but do you spend a good portion of your day sitting in front of a screen uh, manipulating data, or uh, how does that work? I do spend a bit of time doing that, you know, and the challenge in genetics is the amount of data has really grown so quickly in the past few years. You know, so when I started in the field maybe 10 years ago or so, we would be quite fortunate to study a few hundred genetic variations in each study. Now we're studying millions of them. And so the, the kind of statistical challenge and the methods we need to, to handle those quite a bit larger amounts of data have really changed quite rapidly. The other interesting thing is, you know, we're learning so much about the various different traits. So, so for example, just in the same issue of Nature Genetics where we found this gene for height, we used exactly the same approach that we just tested on height to study cholesterol. And there, you know, we found a set of a total of 18 different genes that influence cholesterol levels, which was quite exciting. And it was really based on being able to test drive the approach for height first and then try it on a different set of traits just the same way. Has the cholesterol work been published yet? It was in the same issue of Nature Genetics. Now, again, I assume with regard to cholesterol that some of those genes were unexpected or unknown or not known to be linked to, to cholesterol until you did this study? That's right. So seven of them were completely new and the other 11 had been previously found with other approaches. So this is sort of a classic example in science of every time you ask a question, even when it's good news and you get the answer, you get so many answers here, the amount of work you have ahead of you is multiplying every time you do another study. You know, but it's good to have interesting experiments to do. You know, so once you have the genes and the precise genetic changes, then you can ask many more specific questions. In the case of height, we found this overlap with osteoarthritis. In the case of cholesterol, it's kind of interesting. So we had a set of variants that was associated with your HDL cholesterol, your good cholesterol, if you will, and another set of variants that raised your LDL cholesterol, your bad cholesterol, if you will. And both of those types of cholesterol in opposite directions have been associated with heart disease. So we we went ahead and looked at a sample of 2,000 heart disease patients and 12,000 controls, and we found that you know everything that raised your bad cholesterol increased your risk of heart disease, 
And what was a bit of a surprise was that things that raised or lowered your good cholesterol had no impact on the risk of heart disease in that set of individuals. So in some sense, that would really highlight the importance of bad cholesterol in contributing to heart disease risk. You know, and also by having this list of genes, now we have a whole series of potential targets for trying to manage cholesterol levels. So in other words, if uh, I'm out there pounding the pavement trying to prove my cholesterol profile, are you telling me maybe that's not going to work that way? Well, boosting your HDL level seems to be less of an appetizing or promising route to take than trying to focus on lowering your bad cholesterol. We've been talking to Dr. Consalo Abacasis of the University of Michigan about the link between short stature and osteoarthritis. Dr. Abacasis, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you very much. I'm your host, Paul Rayburn. For comments and questions, check us out online at reachmd.com, where you can access our shows, download podcasts, and send us your thoughts and comments. Thanks for listening. We hope to be with you again soon. Thank you for listening to Innovations in Medicine on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals.